Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. A father is a thing that is forced to endure childbirth without anesthesia or an anesthetic. A father, listen, never feels worthy of the worship in a child's eye. He's never quite the hero his daughter thinks, never quite the man his son believes him to be, and this worries him sometimes. So he works too hard to try and smooth the rough places in the road for those of his own who will follow him. Fathers are what give daughters away to other men who aren't nearly good enough so they can have grandchildren who are smarter than anybody's. Fathers make bets with insurance companies about who will live the longest, and one day they lose the bet paid off to the part of them they leave behind. Being a father, being a dad, is hard work. It's never easy, and like our story, we discover that it really, we never really master the task. But I believe today, if you and I can apply and obey the principles of God's word, we can be the man or the woman that God has called us to be. And although this is a Father's Day message, I truly believe that we can all learn the lessons here. Now, let me set the stage of Deuteronomy chapter 6. God's people are about to enter the promised land. Now, think about this. If you were here last week, Pastor Sof took us from Genesis all the way to the book of Judges. So you recall that, that now all of a sudden... As Moses is recalling this, he's, he's saying they're about to enter the promised land. They were, now listen, they were less than a month away from the death of Moses. You go, okay, let me, let me see. Now, put on your thinking caps for just a second. Moses is going to die. Now, for you and I in 2023, okay, I read something. But, but I want you to put yourself in their sandals for just a moment. Their leader for, every, for over 40 years is about to die. You've got to think about that. If you had a problem, go to Moses. If you have a concern, go to Moses. Moses talks to God. Maybe I can get some insight on this. I don't know what to do. Go to Moses. Now, all of a sudden, after 40 years, listen, church, that's a long time. That's a long time to have one leader, to have somebody who you follow. Okay, God... Moses heard the Lord, let's go. We pack up everything and we go. And, and he's usually right. Think about this. But now he's about to die. Where, where does that put us? Where does that put us? And now, after 40 years, this is his final words to his people. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking about the people first and foremost going, man, what do, what do we do without our leader? How is this, how are we going to move on? How is this going to happen? But it got me thinking about us. And you go, what do you mean about us? If you knew, if you knew you were dying in one month, you knew one month, my question to you is what would be your final words? Let that soak in for just a moment. You knew. You knew. You knew on July 18th, you're leaving this, and you go, and, and, and you're excited about it too, because you know Jesus, and you're excited, but, but what would be your final words? I want you to think about this for just a moment. Would you ask forgiveness for misunderstandings? Would you seek to reconcile and be like, listen, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to that bitterness anymore. I'm going home to be Jesus. I'm, I, just want, I just want a clean, I just want a clean heart. If I knew I was dying in a month, would you take some time to really tell those around you you love them. Now think about this. We often do this. We go, love you, love you. And that's sort of that general, love you. But would you stop them and look them straight in the eye and go, you know what, I love you. And, and much more than that, would you tell them what you love about them? 
Although this is a Father's Day message, I think every man in here should look at his wife and tell them what they love about them. I've fallen so short. Love you! Okay, love you! Love you! What does that mean? But how important it is to look at your significant other, your wife, your husband, and say, this is why I love you. you got a heart like Jesus. You take care of our family so well. You put up with me. I mean, that's hard enough as it is. And you love, and you love doing it. No, don't say that. Okay, don't say that you love doing it. But would you, would you take those around you and look at them? Would you look at your kids and your grandkids and go, I love you guys. I got to be honest with you. I've lived a pretty, pretty awesome life. I get to pastor the best church in Lubbock. I, I've got the best wife in the whole wide world. I've got the, the greatest daughters. Plus, I got the, I've got the smartest grandkids than anybody ever had. I'm ready to go home. You understand? I, I want to go home. But I think of my grandkids, and, and I ask the Lord, let me stay just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. But I, I want to go home. Would you, knowing that you were going to be around just just a little bit longer, would you encourage those who would be mourning your death? Would you be telling them, don't worry about me. I'm going to be all right. Would you encourage them saying, hey, listen, live your life to the fullest. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'll see you again. Many of us don't have that chance to encourage those that are... And that's the saddest part of death, is it not? Those of us that are left behind. When a saint goes home, we rejoice, but we're also sad because we don't know how to handle that. See, listen, there are things that we don't think about. Not a lot of people think about dying. And yet, statistically, 10 out of 10 people die. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, this is a Father's Day message. Chill, bro. You already started talking about death. But, but I want you to see this for just a second. According to the psalmist, Psalm 90, verse 12, it says this. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So let us, let us deeply consider, honestly, church, our own fatality and the shortness and uncertainty of life, that we may live for eternity. Listen, when somebody walks out that door, tell them you love them. I love you. Because you don't know what's out there. And you don't want to go, you know what, I should have said it more. I should have been this. Let us live with the heart of eternity. Let us never apologize for the love we have for Jesus Christ. Never apologize, well, you know, but tell people it should just be a part of us. Listen, none of us is perfect. And that's why Jesus came to die. You go, what do you mean? Well, dads, fathers, how important today we settle our accounts here and now to walk in humility and forgiveness. Maybe it's not you that someone needs to ask for forgiveness, but you need to offer forgiveness to somebody who hurt you. Maybe you just need to take that step and say, I forgive him. I forgive him. I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. See, Moses, guys, in our text, will die in a few weeks. He'll say goodbye. Joshua will lead them across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Now, what we need to understand in the text is that there are giants in the land. You see... There are over 40 other people groups inhabiting the place where God had promised his people that it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. So what you need to understand is there's going to be many, many battles and much anxiety. Oftentimes we think of the children of Israel going into the promised land and they're just happy and there's rainbow and butterflies, but there's battles in the land and we have to grasp that. 
Because the enemy looks at your life and says, oh, you want to live the Christian life? Let me put as many stumbling blocks. Let me put as much anxiety. Let me put as much attacks in your life. Not that I can get you to not go to heaven, but I can get you to quit the walk. And if you quit the walk, then you won't impact the world. And he does that. But if we understand that there's battles in the land. And so what Moses does is he comes and he says, here here are my last words. And what does Moses do? He reminds the people of the law that the law of God taught them. And he included our many repetitions of the law contained in, in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And then, this is his sermon. And what does he do? He gives them one command. And this is great for dads. This is great for granddads. This is great for us men. And this is great for women. You ready? Here's the command. Don't forget God. Don't forget God. This is what Moses reminds him. He says, as you make your way through the promised land, don't forget who brought you and took care of you. And Moses reminds them with a simple command. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your strength. Well, today's lesson is chocked full of wonderful application. Again, I have entitled this message, How to Be a Good Father, How to Be a Godly Father. For today, we discover several godly principles that will help us in our walks with God. But since it's Father's Day, here's what my hope is, that it may help us become better men. Better men. Now, let me give you a side note. Remember, our walks with Jesus is much like Israel's promised land. It's a land flowing of milk and honey. Your walk with Jesus is full of peace and joy and comfort and love. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. But what we must remember are there are battles in the land. But much like the promised land, God is going to go before us to fight them. To fight them. And our Christian walk is very much the same way. Our lives have been changed by the power of God. Listen, the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that lives in us. Same spirit. There are battles you're going to face today. There are spiritual attacks. But you and I, we're called to love and follow God with everything that is within us. To love and follow God. So, with that as our intro, let's jump into our text. If you're taking notes, this is for everyone. Here's command number one. You ready? The command is to love the Lord. To love the Lord, right? Happy Father's Day. Men, you are commanded to love the Lord. Well, Pastor Ben, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have any kids. Well, Pastor Ben, that doesn't apply to me because I don't like my kids. No, don't say that. Pastor, but, but here's the point. The point is, is that this is for men. This is for men. Men, if you want to be a godly man, if you want to be a good, good father someday, if you want to be a good, good father today, here's the command. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Start with me, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Moses writes, he's about 40 days or 30 days from dying. He says, now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Your attention, please. Notice what Moses says. Moses says, I've got some commandments, I've got some precepts, and they, mo- they denote the moral law, but, what, but the word that jumps out on me in verse 1 is, he goes, these are what you need to learn. This is what I'm trying to teach you. You see, it's much, much more than, hey, I'm preaching to you so you guys can get it and say, wow, that was a great sermon, high five, let's go eat. We have to learn the principle of God's word. He says, he says listen, these are the judgments the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. Oh, listen, if you're going to be a godly man, the first thing on your list is that you have to have a teachable heart. You have to have a heart that's teachable. 
Men, women, we don't know it all. We have to have a heart that's willing to learn, willing to grow. God, where is that? Once we get to the point where we go, well, I know the Bible. I've been studying the Bible all my life. There's nothing more you can teach me. Then we don't have a teachable heart. We don't have a teachable heart. And I don't care if we're 85 years old in here. We've been walking with Jesus since our mom gave birth to us in the church. Okay? You don't know it all. And it's so amazing because you'll read a passage over how many times, and then, and then later on in your walk, you'll read it and you go, what? Did you? this is here the whole time? Yes, God spoke to you in a, in a big way. And you can feel your spirit growing. And you can feel the strength of the Lord in your life. It's so important. It's so important. He goes on in verse 2, what, what, Why should we learn? That we may fear the Lord your God, to keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you, that your son or your grandson all the days of your life and all the days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. If we're going to be godly people, we must have a teachable heart. Number two, if we're going to be godly people, we must fear the Lord. Now, please understand that it doesn't mean we're afraid of the Lord. I'm not, I'm not painting a picture of, of the old days when, when you know, you remember where, where, where people are standing afraid of, of King Kong or Godzilla. Do you remember those? And they're like, ah, running away. That's, they're afraid that they're going to die. That's not who God is. He's painting a picture. He goes, that you may, you may fear the Lord. And you go, Ben, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, the word there means to revere. To revere. To, again, and, and what it is, it, 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 it comes out as an, a healthy fear of reverence towards God. And what we need to understand is we don't treat him as some landlord upstairs. Well, yeah, I've got to talk to the man upstairs. Who's the man upstairs? Are you renting a room? No, 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 he's God. Church, if I can be vulnerable and insecure with you for just a moment, one of the most vicious attacks in my family came this week. And I remember praying to God and just and, and, and I didn't even, I didn't I just didn't know which way to go or where to do what to do. And I remember coming to the Lord, and you know what I you know what he spoke to me in my in my heart? God doesn't owe me anything. He's not some genie that goes, oh, wait, it's hurt. God, I, I just realized that God is so amazing and so big, and I don't understand his problems at times. I don't understand I mean, how he, his, his progress and what he's going to do. I don't get it. But I need to know that, listen, God doesn't owe me, and he doesn't owe you anything. But he loves us so much that he's willing to listen, and he's willing to bow down his ear, and he's willing to walk with us, and he's willing to love us but I cannot come into his presence and demand him do something. You're the pastor. Doesn't matter. That's what he spoke to me. You go, Ben, I don't know what that means. But, but again, think about this. I want that awesome, healthy fear of reverence toward God. A reverent face and love for God is the beginning to keeping his commandments. So not only do I have a teachable heart, okay, Lord, teach me, teach me your ways. There used to be a song, I don't know, it was the 90s, and the song was about a man that said, Lord, I want to be like you because he wants to be just like me. He wants to be just like me. It was so funny. It was so funny because the other day I was walking with my grandkids and I had, I had Jesse on one side and Cordy on one, and I'm walking down the middle like this, and Cordy's telling Jesse, do this, and Jesse would do it. Okay, Jesse, do this, and, he'd do, and, and he would try his very best to imitate his big sister. And he said, does anybody know what the gritty is? Does anybody know that? Well, they do that. Yeah, and so she'll, so, she'll go, Jesse, do the gritty, and he'll go like this. You know, he just, he just does... He, he, he's going to imitate what he sees. And so, and so if you and I are going to be, if we're going to be godly believers, we have to have a teachable heart. We need to fear the Lord. 
We need to fear the Lord. Why? Because a reverent face and love for God is the beginning of keeping his commandments. And you go, what's the purpose, guys? Well, to keep all his statutes and commandments, which I command you, that you, your son, and your grandson all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Now listen to me. Men, we fail at this. We blow it. There's not a one of us that can stand here and say, I did a great job raising my... We, we, we just look in the mirror and we go, man, I blew it. I, I blow it every day. But I want to be more like the Lord so that my kids, whatever age they may be, whatever my spiritual kids... I mean, you've got to understand. You've got to think about this. I opened the door today, sanctuary door, and Jasper comes running to me. Pastor Boo! Boom! Gives me a big hug. I'm a spiritual father. He, you understand what he sees growing up in the church. I need to be more like God. I need to be. So do you. The people that you, you affect. You go, well, Ben, what's key? You ready to jot this down? Obedience is key. Obedience. That's what's key. Okay? Where does obedience come from? Love. A love and a reverent for God. Obedience. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us the same thing in John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The word keep there means to guard for loss or injury, to hold fast, to keep, to serve, to watch out. Listen, church, we are obedient out of love. Let's say it again. Obedient out of love. Do you love the Lord? Of course I love the Lord, pastor. I'm in church on Sunday. I could be out on the golf course. I could be out doing in the lake. or I love, okay, then more importantly, obey, keep, keep his commandments. Which ones, the 10? No, 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 no. Guys, the statues and who God is and what he's telling us to do and how we should live. That's what he's saying. And then in verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel. He's talking. Remember, he's about to die. He says, Love the Lord your God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. He says, hear, O Israel. In Hebrew, guys, these verses are known as the Shema. You go, what's the Shema? It just means hear in Hebrew. Hear. And it's a classic Hebrew confession of faith, describing who God is and what, his, what our duty is towards him. And through God is revealed the existing three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, yet He is one. But here's the command, and I love it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Over in Mark's Gospel, if you want to take note, chapter 12, verses 28 to 31, a scribe or a lawyer asked Jesus, Hey, Jesus, yes? What is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus actually quoted Deuteronomy uh, 4 and 5. He says this, Jesus answered, said, The first of all the commandments is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus quotes the word of God. But now, a few verses later, in verses 32 to 33, we actually get the biblical interpretation. Look at verse 32, and it says, So the scribes said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one neighbors as oneself is more than the whole burnt offering, and sacrifices. What's he saying? Now, here's what I want you to know. Loving Jesus with all passion and intelligence, energy, and loving others as well as loving yourself, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. You see, what you need to understand is it's not God is number one in my life, in a series of one through ten, God is Jesus is one, and then my wife's two and three and four. 
that's not what he's saying. He says every part of you, every breath you breathe, every thought you think should be a love for Jesus with all our soul, with all our strength. When you get up in the morning to go to work, it's the strength of the Lord that gets you up. When you feel restrained because somebody's attacking you verbally and you're about to lose it, it's the strength of the Lord. And why won't you say something? We have a right to say something back, don't we? No, because we love Jesus. We love the Lord. Okay, Lord. If you're going to be a godly person, you have to have a teachable heart. You need to fear the Lord, and you need to love God with everything that's in you. You need to love God with everything. Every bit, every fiber. And I wish there was something that we could snap on and go, boom, you love the Lord? I love the Lord! It's a working progress to love God. To love God. Let me say this. Let me say this. Without, without convicting anybody, honestly, if you've been married for a long time, you should love your wife more, you should love your husband more than you did when you said, I do. You loved him then. You loved him then. But as you grow in that relationship, you go, why? Well, you'll get, you'll get people to go, man, we just fell out of love. We just fell out of love. I don't love them anymore. Love is a choice. And as we choose, we grow. And, and, and again, that's the whole point. It's a process each and every day. It's a choice you make to get up and study the Word. It's a choice you make to come to church and be part of a fellowship. It's the choice you make to make sure you have a devotion time where you're praying and you're praising God. It's a choice you make not to allow garbage into your mind and into your heart because, because you know garbage in, garbage out, so I want to make sure that I have good stuff in. You're like, okay, okay, I got it. goes on in verse 6 and says, These and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. The great command must first be where, church? In our heart. And then he says it must be communicated to our children. The topic of our conversation should always be in front of us. As near as our hand and our forehead, as ever before, the doorposts and the gates. Look at verse 7 and through 9. You shall teach them. To who, Lord? To your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlet between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is how we teach our children. Now, if you have little children... You have little children. It's so hard. I remember I read this. I go, all right. I'm gonna. And my girls were little. Talia and Miranda were little. Okay, gather around the coffee. We're having a Bible study. Open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy. No, and my kids are like, ah, you know, they're just little kids. I couldn't do that. Hey, come back here. Stop. Pay attention. Don't. It was frustrating because you can't do that to little kids. You can't do that. They don't pay attention. That's why. That's why in, in big church, we say, hey, why don't, why don't you go to a little... And you can jump around and ah, all this stuff back there because here, they're... anybody ever go to a church where your parents made you sit and they pinched you and you started... I remember that. It's like, when is this over? Shh! Why is he wearing a robe? Shh! Right? It was just like... But, but, but here's the point. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, there's ways that you can teach... There's ways you can teach. How? Just it, It's in the forefront of your life. It's in the forefront. Guys, think about this. I'll never forget when we had our house in Missouri. And you know when you buy your first house, you start to remodel stuff, right? And so we, I, I took my little girls, and, and uh, we were going we to replace the wallpaper. We were going to paint the bathroom. And so we took down the wallpaper. They're in there helping. They always wanted to help, right, for, for five minutes. And then you ended up doing all the work yourself. But anyways, 
I took my little girls and we pulled down and behind the wallpaper, the current wallpaper, was the ugliest 70s wallpaper you'd ever seen. Do you remember the 70s wallpaper? It was that shimmery green kind of thing. Yeah, Maniah's thinking like, no, not you, Maniah. You weren't here in the 70s. But, but anyways, the, when they built the house, they, they just went with these yellow and green and different colors. you guys remember that? And, and my kids are like, oh, look at that. And so it was a great opportunity for a Bible study because now we had to peel that wallpaper off to get to that. And so I would say, do you, what do you think about this wallpaper? Dad, Grandpa, that, or not Grandpa, Dad, that's ugly. Blah, 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 blah. Look at that. That's just yucky. You used to, not a, not, not a, we're from the 80s. That was cooler. But nonetheless, this was 70s and 60s and it was psychedelic and people were just really weird back then. But anyways, I said, you start pulling it down. And, and, and so we made a Bible study. And I remember I said, can you picture, let's just say how ugly this is. And they're like, yeah, that's ugly, right, Dad? And I said, this is like sin. And I said, and here's what Jesus does. He takes the sin, and he takes us off, and he exposes our beautiful heart. Oh, that's cool. So, so the point was you could teach them, you could teach them in ways that you don't sit there and sit down and go, let's have a Bible study. What does that mean to you? Let me give you the exegetically pull out the text on that, and let me see what that means, and it never worked for me. But guess what? As you walk, as you see things. How many of you, before we go on, how many of you understand that, that the gospel is all over the place? If you, it, I mean, in 90% of the movies we watch, it's the gospel message if you look for it. I'll never forget, I remember watching um, Thor. I don't even know which one. I don't know how many there are out there. But somebody said, hey, you need to watch Thor. I was like, okay, I'll watch Thor. I put on the movie and realized that's the gospel. You're like, which one? I don't know. One of them. One of the first ones. And I said, you know what? Isn't that weird? Thor's like Jesus. The hammer's like the Holy Spirit. God the Father's in the air, and he's governing. And Thor had to come down and save the world. My friend went, you saw that in the movie? I said, Yeah. Because the gospel is everywhere, and you can teach with every day. This is what he's saying. When you wake up, when you wake up. Pastor Skip, I was listening to a teaching. I think it's on Radio by Grace on, on one day, and, and Pastor Skip Heitzig was saying, and this is good for us men. You ready? This is good for us, especially with little kids. He said, I always had my quiet time in the living room. So when Nate came down the stairs as a little boy, he saw me reading my Bible, and that just became a staple to him. It just became a staple. And so the first thing he saw when he came down the stairs as a little kid is dad reading the Bible. I thought, wow, I wish I'd have known this, you know? But I think it's important. We have grandkids and we have spiritual kids and whatever is going on in our house that they see that you have a real relationship with Jesus. And if they come out of the room and they're being teenagers and they don't want to talk to you, they can still see you reading the Word of God. But let me say this to you with all of my heart. Not that men that we're perfect, because we're never perfect. We're never, we'll never make it. Only Jesus was perfect. But that we can show a good example of what it is to be a forgiven Sinner saved by grace. That's a good place for an amen. I mean, if you're not paying attention there, I just... Number two. If we're going to be godly, we have to watch our backs. You go, what do you mean? In verses 10 to 12, there is always a danger in leaving God in times of prosperity. How so? Look at verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land, which he swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a large, beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant when you have eaten and you are full. Here's what he says, verse 12. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and the house of bondage. Wow. He says, listen, we have to guard our hearts. Come on, church, this is for all of us. We have to guard our hearts for what? Here it is. Here it is. The danger of leaving God in times of prosperity. 
In the book of Hosea, Hosea is witnessing to his fellow countrymen, to those in Israel. And they scoff him because they believe that if God was going to judge them, which he was, that they wouldn't be as prosperous as they thought. And a lot of us get that way. Well, listen, if I'm doing something wrong, if God is not pleased with me, then why am I succeeding? Why am I doing well? And God goes, I have provided for you. I have blessed you. Please don't leave me when you go into the land. Please don't turn your back. He says, I've given you large, beautiful cities, which you didn't build. And beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. If we're going to be godly people, if we're going to be godly fathers, if we're going to be good fathers, don't forget God. Don't forget God. Our tendency is when things start to prosper in our lives, i got to have more of that. And Jesus and God goes on the back burner. When the Lord, when, when Moses is, to, remember, he's about to die and he's going, hey, listen, listen, you're going to go into the promised land. It's going to be amazing. Man, there's going to be trees. There's going to be all this stuff. You didn't do any of this. You didn't. He says, lest you forget the Lord. Beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. See, this cycle would be repeated throughout the history of Israel, especially in the time of Judges. God would bless an obedient Israel, and they would prosper. And they would begin to set their heart on the blessings instead of the Lord who blessed them. God would allow the chastisement of Israel's focus to turn back to him. Israel would repent and obey again, and then God would bless an obedient Israel, and they would prosper. We usually fail to appreciate the danger of success and prosperity. We agree, we agree that there is an imminent danger of doing that, and yet we rarely think it applies to us. Mm. Think about this. Let me say it in an easier way. It's a lot easier to forget the Lord who brought you out from the house of bondage when there are no circumstances forcing you to remember him. Israel, when you enter the land, what should I do? Verse 13, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. And take an oath in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of peoples, of those around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him at Massah. Okay? Two thoughts. If you want to be godly, if you want to be a godly people, you go amen. If you want to be a godly father, if you want to be godly men, if you want to be godly women, here it is. Ready? Jot this down. Don't have any idols in your life. Don't have any idols in your heart. And be careful that the world is not luring you into its worship. You guys know what a lure is, right? Any fishermen's in here? You know what a lure is. Right, I got two fishermen, all right. A lure is something that tricks fish into giving up their life so you could eat. That's what a lure does, right? You put it on, you throw it in, the fish, I don't know why they're in school, they're really dumb, but they go after the lure. That's what the world tries to do to you. Hey, looks good, looks good. Come, worship, worship me. You're fine, you're fine. How about this? How about this? You can still love God, but just pinch a little incense to, and say Caesar is Lord. Then go on your way. It's okay. 
It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Caesar's Lord, I'm out of here. Bless the Lord. But what happens, guys, is it begins to lure us away. And this, this, this is what he's saying. Don't have any idols in our hearts. Don't have any idols in our hearts. Be careful that the world isn't luring you into its worship. And second, you ready? If you want to be godly men, godly women, don't tempt the Lord your God. You go, what does that mean? Well, look at verse 16. He says, and you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him at Massa. If you want to circle Massa, here's what it means. It means argument or strife. Do you guys remember when they were tempting Moses? They were saying, give us water. We're thirsty. Did you bring us out here to die? They somehow forgot the hardship in Egypt under the the harsh taskmaster of Pharaoh. Oh, they forgot how they were complaining. Oh, please get us out of here. And then God gets them out of there. They come out with the spoils of Egypt and then they get to Massa. And what do they do? They start complaining. They start complaining. Sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like us. I want you to take a second in your mind and think about all the victories God has given you in your life. Amazing victories. Whether whether he healed you physically or whatever victory it might be. You guys got it? And then maybe a year later, something else comes up and what do we do? We complain, don't we? God, you saved me from that only to bring me to die here. We're just like Israel. Just like Israel. But the Lord tells us here in verse 16, He says, Guys, don't tempt the Lord like you did back then. Don't do that. Guys, fast forward to the New Testament in your mind when Jesus was led in the wilderness to be tempted. Do you remember He quoted this? This passage of Scripture, when Jesus quoted back to Satan in the wilderness, when He was tempted to make God the Father prove His love for the Son. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 4, 5 through 7, Jesus said it was wrong to demand this sort of proof from his father since every day was proof that his father loved the son. And the enemy does the same. Oh yeah, prove that God loves you. Prove it. Come on, if God really loves you. And that's what he tempts us with. And the fact that we are upright this morning, come on somebody, is great proof that God loves us. The fact that you have... The fact that you ate a donut or three pieces of cake, depending on who you are. I'm not pointing or making out any... My eyes are not going to... Anyways, that's proof that we are blessed and that He loves us. But more importantly, you know He loves you. You know He loves you. I don't want to tempt the Lord that way. I probably would bet 99.999% of us in this room have ever said at one time in our lives, God, if you love me. God, if you love... And we're we're sort of just saying, God, hey, prove your love. This is what I need right now. Prove your love. And what we need to be reminded of is, is is that the cross is all the love we need all the proof. Why? Church, listen to me. God doesn't owe us anything. And yet he loves us and he dies for us. Verse 17. You said, diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies, his statutes which you commanded you, and you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that he may dwell with you, that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to your fathers, and to cast out all the enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. Point number three, we're going to see, if you want to be a godly father, if you want to be a good godly person, teach your children how to honor the Lord. Verse 20. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of these testimonies, these statutes, these judgments, which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. 
And the Lord showed us signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us a land which he swore to our fathers. You go, how do we, how do we teach those around us, our children, our grandchildren, anybody around us, how to honor the Lord? Well, when they come to us and say, hey, It says, when your son comes and asks you in time to come, when they see your life, he says, then you shall say to your son, just like Israel, it was essential for Israel to teach and warn the children so that the blessings given to one generation would not come to a curse to the next. You go, what does that mean? You have little ones. Some of you have little ones. Some of you have grandchildren. Some of you have great-grandchildren, however it might be. You need to share with them what God has done in your life. How he rescued you from Egypt. And you don't have to, listen, church. Nobody say, well, you have to sit down and go, listen to me. Your kids will ask you. I can't tell you how many conversations me and Cordelia have because she's smart about God, and, and she'll ask hard questions. And it just, it just needs to be in the forefront. Listen, this is what God did. God saved me. God saved me. Now, again, understand, my granddaughter thinks that there's no one better than Grandpa. She doesn't understand that Grandpa is a sinner saved by grace. And I have to explain that. No, no, Grandpa wasn't always, you know, chocolate buddy. You know, Grandpa wasn't always chocolate buddy. I mean, I mean, I got, I don't know where Natalie is. I hope she's not hearing. But, but uh, this morning at, at, at 9.30, both my grandkids had suckers in their mouth. They go in my, both of them, she's like, seriously? And I'm like, they just sort of fell open in, in their mouths. I mean, But that's who my grandkids see, but I need to share with them how the Lord saved me. And, and you go, well, well Ben, I, I'm not a dad. I'm not a dad yet. I want to be a dad, but I'm not a dad yet. But you're also an influence to all of those around you, all your coworkers, all the people that you meet, and it just needs to be in the forefront of your heart. They've got to see something different about you. They want to see something different. If, if, if people at your job are looking at you, if people in your life are looking at you like you're no different than the world, then something we, we have a disconnect somewhere. Because you are different. You're saved by grace. You've got a testimony. And let me just say this. You've heard this before. It's, com- it's kind of silly and commonplace. But you can't have a testimony without being tested first. And many of you were tested, and you passed. And so you go, it wasn't easy, but I passed. How'd you pass? Let me tell you. Some of us have great testimonies that you go, wow, how did God save you? But I'll tell you even a greater testimony. It's not how God reached down into the miry clay and pulled us out but it's those of us who were brought up in Christian homes that have a greater testimony because you grew up thinking you didn't ever, you never sinned. You grew up thinking things were good. You were born a Christian. But every one of us comes to the place where we have to realize that, oh, do I have a place? Do I have, wow, wow, wow. Guys, the key to teaching was simple. You go, what's that? It was recounting Israel's testimony, how God saved them from bondage. Parents, we need to relate to the children how they came to a personal relationship with Jesus so the children understand that they must come into the same relationship. That is general application for all of us. We just keep telling people, Listen, if you're in here and you're plus 80, keep telling people 
if you're here and you're 20 years old, minus 80 a lot of years, keep telling people. We never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation. Let's finish. Let's close with the last two verses, guys. Verse 24. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statues to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is to this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe the commandments before the Lord our God as he commanded would. What's he saying? If we will obtain true righteousness through the law, it's simple, though not easy. Just simply observe the commandments. But if you go, Ben, I can't do that. Well, then that's when you need Jesus Christ. It's the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why? Because nobody can fully obey the law. We must turn to Christ to be justified by faith. So, really, in a nutshell, how to be a godly father, how to be a godly mother, how to be a godly person. It's really simple to finish out our study. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved. You ask the Lord, 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 you know what? Am I really born again? Am I really born again? You see, you might be here and you might be thinking, well, you know, sometimes I don't have a teachable heart. Or sometimes I don't fear the Lord. I don't have that reverence with Him. Or sometimes I don't love the Lord like I feel like I should. Well, maybe you need to go back and go, Lord, did I... Am I really born again? Do I really have a relationship with you? You go, why is that important? Listen to me. It's important because eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to finish with this. I happened to see, I don't know if it was, it was, it was probably a YouTube video this week was a really disturbing YouTube video. It was about celebrities, a lot of celebrities, a lot of, a lot of um, actors and actresses that you and I watch mocking hell and how they don't believe that hell is real and how they're laughing and they're thinking that hell, we're already there and we're going to party and all our friends are in hell and and they, these are people who are and, and and I sat there and I was so disturbed because my Jesus talked a lot about hell and and spending eternity away and 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 then and then one of the pastors got I don't even know which pastor it was but one of the pastors got up and he said something that just impacted me so much I can't believe that he said listen there are people in hell right now and he said this if if the Lord if God opened the door to hell and stood there and said if you want to come out and be with me, come. He said, he said, you would find a bunch of people rushing to the door to close it. Because in hell, it's all selfish. It's all you. It's all that. There's not a part of you that wants to be with God. So see, you and I, we think of hell, we think of eternity. There's people going, oh, if, if God would give me one more chance. But you've got to remember, everything that's good is now stripped away, and whatever's left, that's what's left, all the selfishness. I was just like, wow. Because I would think, oh! But you go, Pastor, what's your point? Here's the point. Being saved is not just like, hey, join our church and you'll have fun and we'll have potlucks and, and you'll be a Christian and, and it's, it's eternity. It's eternity with Jesus. It's going, okay, I'm saved. I'm born again. It's not an easy thing. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. You go, well, what does it mean to be born again? Here's what it means. What it means to be born again means you're about to take and, 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 and be involved in some of the greatest spiritual warfare you'll ever be in. But it's well worth it. Because you know. You know.
So that's why we go, Lord, I want to be saved. The other stuff I can work on, I can be a godly, I can work on loving you, I can work on, on being having a teachable heart, but I need to be I need to be saved. I need to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved, Lord. And I sat and I watched that and it really broke me. I'll tell you why. Most of you know, most of you know my testimony of, of uh, when I first got saved, how I was on the back of a truck and I was and, and I was telling people the gospel and some were getting in and saved and all that good stuff and and I'd lost that loving feeling, you know? I you kinda I needed that burning bush. And I needed that spark in my life again. You got the spark of hell, now the spark of people going to hell so I can do what God called me to do. And make sure, make sure that nobody goes to hell. Pastors don't talk about it anymore. But it's a real place. Let me, let me leave you with this, guys. Let me leave you with this. This is the, this is the CEO of um, Target. This is the CEO of Target and what they're um, trying to explain to people these days. And I want to show you. Um, I find it. Okay, hold on. There we go. This is this is what he said. This is why it's important in our lives. He says, "Satan loves you." and respects who you are. You're important and valuable in this world, and you deserve to treat yourself with love and respect. LGBT plus people are so often referred as being the product of Satan or going against God's will. So fine, we'll hang with Satan instead. Satanists don't actually believe in Satan. He's merely used as a symbol of passion, pride, and liberty. He means to you what you need him to mean. So for me, Satan is hope, compassion, inequality, equality, and love. End quote. So I'm here to tell you it's a lie. He's real, and he's after you, and he wants to deceive you. But with the power of Jesus in your life, you win. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word, God, and the truth in your word. We thank you, Lord. And my prayer is that every one of us here is born again. You see, today we celebrate men as fathers. But more importantly, God, it's, it's our heavenly, it's Father's Day every day as we worship our heavenly Father. So God, we love you. We love you. And we want to make sure that we're with you. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, um, could you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm right with God, but I want to, I want to, I want to be right today. I need to be born again. I don't want to spend eternity. All of this is just too much for me. I don't want to be separated from God. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now? Would you just be? Amen. God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand saying, I'm a God bless you, sister. I see you here. Anyone else? Lift up your God bless you, man. Anyone else? Just just today, you're making that declaration. Oh, Lord, thank you. Father, I pray for the hands that were raised. I pray that they would pray a sincere and honest prayer, that they would say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of all that I've done. Forgive me for my shortcomings. Forgive me for my sin, Lord. I have, I have blasphemed you. I've turned, I've yelled, I've cursed against you. But Lord, your love has broken through my heart. And I don't want to spend another day without you from now into eternity. I love you, Lord. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior, be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.